This is a GRDC podcast. For many South Australian grain growers, 2022 was a cracker season. But the weather and other factors did lead to some cereal disease. So what does 2023 have in store and what to do to keep disease at bay? Hello there, I'm Prue Adams and this is the second part of a two-part podcast where I'm doing a deep dive to bring you the latest advice. Sam Trengove is an independent consultant on York Peninsula and his business also does research and extension. I caught up with him at a grains research update at the Sporting Club in Butte, where Incidentally, the Trengove name featured many times on the honour boards. But I wasn't there to talk about his footy success. I was there to ask about the latest trials he's been doing with powdery mildew. So we've been looking at powdery mildew management over the last three seasons in the context of increasing fungicide resistance in the powdery mildew population. So today we'll be sharing what we've learnt in terms of the distribution of those resistance mutations and and what we can expect from that going forward and where it occurs across the southern region and then also looking at what that means for management in terms of going forward how do we control the powdery mildew disease in wheat what fungicide options are still available as opposed to other controls such as variety selection and resistance of varieties for reducing powdery mildew what sort of season has it been in this district 2022 was amazing, I suppose, for the region and a lot would say their best ever. So it was a latish start for this particular region in the mid-north and York Peninsula and then a dryish start to winter as well. But then from August onwards, it was an outstanding spring and crops were very good as a result of that, but not without its challenges in terms of disease management. In terms of fungicide resistance, and we're hearing from Fran Lopez in this discussion as well, who's talking about the resistance across the country. What are you finding in this area? Has it become one of those emerging problems? It has. So the two fungicide groups that we're interested in, in terms of resistance or reduced sensitivity to fungicides, are the Group 11 strobulurin fungicides, or the QAIs, and reduced sensitivity in the Group 3 DMI fungicides, or the triazoles. So in this region, we have found that there is a level of strobulin resistance in the district, and it's sort of geographically spread a little bit in terms of there's hot spots in parts of the region and then other parts of the region, most of the mildew is still quite susceptible to those fungicides. In terms of the triazole fungicides, we know there's a mutation that exists that is a gateway mutation, which then confers the ability for further mutations to occur, which can reduce the sensitivity to those fungicides. And we know that this gateway mutation is at quite high levels across the board. In terms of what that means for product efficacy is less clear cut, I suppose, where at the beginning of 2023, what would you be advising growers leading into this seeding season? Given the season that we've just had and a variety of diseases sort of being present in crops, we can expect that there's going to be inoculum for those diseases to be carrying over into the 2023 season. So I guess we need to be aware of that. Variety choice can be an important factor in terms of choosing varieties that are going to give us some resistance to those diseases and reduce their build-up. And so that comes into consideration. However, it's not that easy to just go and change from variety A to variety B. 
at this point of the season. Most growers have got their seed in the silo for what they want to plant in 2023, so we can make some small changes there, but it's not going to be something we can change sort of wholesale in a single season. That's sort of more of a longer-term planning strategy over a couple of seasons, really. But then in terms of fungicide choice and, I guess, timing would be the other factor in terms of using those fungicides at an appropriate time so that we're catching the disease before it has a chance to build up and protect the green leaf rather than trying to clean up crops that already have a high level of infection would be the other thing to be thinking about moving into the season. So elevator pitch as to what your key insights are from the local trials on effectively managing both powdery mildew and stripe rust. Powdery mildew, I guess, and for stripe rust, if we could eliminate the really sucker varieties, then that would help really limit the extent of the problem. And then in terms of management in crop, once we have a variety selected, it's about being proactive in terms of disease management and applying those fungicides in a timely manner so that we're keeping the canopy clean. And it's going to be a little bit regional specific in terms of the fungicides that you might consider depending on the expectation around resistance. For the mildew in particular, the stripe rust, we don't have that fungicide resistance issue, so we expect products that we know to work should work, provided they're sort of used in a timely manner and we're keeping that inoculum load down, not having high levels of stripe rust building up in crops into the spring sort of period, which was reasonably well managed in 2022, but there were examples of what could happen if you didn't and the results were yields were down where that occurred. Let's dig a bit deeper on the issue of fungicide resistance, something southern growers are increasingly having trouble with. Associate Professor Fran Lopez from Curtin University in Western Australia is a specialist on the issue. But he says the problem with fungicides not working is often not due to resistance, but a range of other factors. He delivered his latest research at the Grains Research Update in Adelaide, and I asked him where the worst areas were for fungicide resistance. High rainfall zone regions are normally those areas where resistance is going to be at a higher risk. And the only reason for that is just the higher rainfall, right? So higher rainfall means normally more disease. More disease means that we've got the need of using more fungicides. When we use more fungicides, there's a higher selection pressure and obviously resistance develops faster. There are some exceptions. There are some regions where rainfall is not that high and resistance has evolved really fast. But that's a completely different story. I guess that, you know, in general terms, uh, what we can say is that in Australia, in the regions where rainfall is higher, so the risk of fungicide resistance emergence is going to be also high. So Tasmania, for instance, is a fairly hot spot in terms of resistance. Absolutely, yeah. So Tasmania, because of the production system, so higher rainfall, higher disease pressure, more fungicides are going in, so resistance normally evolves faster. One of the things that I thought was interesting is you asked the question about the drivers behind control failure and basically why fungicides don't work. And it's not just about resistance, is it? There's a whole range of other reasons why fungicides don't work. Absolutely, yeah. So actually, I would say that 80 to 90% of the samples that we received in our lab with concerns of fungicide resistance, they're actually sensitive. 
there is no problem whatsoever. So we normally ask for information on those samples. So for example, what is the fungicide regime? What was the crop that you were sowing the year before? These sort of management questions. And what we can see is that in many cases, the problem with the fungicide is not a problem with resistance. It's a problem with the application of the fungicide, the timing, the choice of product, the rate. Many people, unfortunately, cut rates. So the disease that you're targeting, canopy penetration, so there are many factors that can actually determine that a fungicide is not effective. And at the end of the day, we've got fungicide resistance at the end of that list. So it's the first cause of fungicide failure for everybody. So it's at the front of everybody's mind, but it's not the most important reason. So for example, last year, it was the conduciveness of the season. So the season was so conducive that it was very hard to stop diseases. There were particular conditions that went around the season last year and who knows what this year is going to hold. But were there particular elements of fungicide effectiveness perhaps that were different last year than there have been in previous years and what would you expect in this season that we're going into? I would say that probably the number one problem was trafficability. So just people not being able to access the paddocks to spray. It's not so much, you know, spraying too early, too soon. It's just not being able to access the paddock, right? So just logistics almost? Exactly, logistics, right? And then a lot of people trying to spray at the same time, not having enough compound out there, so not having enough chemicals. So what happens when that occurs? You end up spraying whatever is available. So you've got an issue with timing and you've got an issue with product choice. And as I was saying earlier, those are two very important factors when it comes down to fungicide effectivity. If you don't time the fungicide application properly and you don't use the right product for the type of disease that you want to control, obviously you cannot expect that your your control program is going to be successful. So the other thing that probably came through from last season was that the expectations. So people had this level of expectation around the control programs and obviously in a season like what we had last year, that was probably unreasonable. So I'm not saying that people are unreasonable in this case, I'm just saying that the fungicides basically can work up at a certain level and uh, we cannot expect these fungicides just to control diseases when all the conditions are in favour for disease development. One of your take-home messages was why um, is deploying resistant varieties faster not the answer. Yeah, and I say this because, and I've been saying this a few times in a few presentations, because I like the controversy that it generates, because we keep asking breeders for better varieties. And, you know, growers, they want better varieties, they want better yield, they want, you know, this is resistance. In my case, I'm looking for varieties that can actually complement fungicides. So diseases are not going to be as important, so then there's going to be less pressure on the fungicides, less use, so we're going to be able to keep active the lifespan of the active for a longer time. Now, the problem is that when we get those varieties, we don't have a plan or program specifically designed to protect those varieties. So obviously, if the variety is good, if it yields well, and it doesn't actually develop disease you know, so quickly, so we're going to be using that variety over other varieties. And that's a problem because pathogens, they're very good at this. They evolve very quickly. And this is basically, this is an arms race. So we've got on one side varieties being improved by breeders. On the other side, diseases being improved by nature. And by far, nature is way faster than us. So at the end of the day, what occurs is that varieties, when they are released, you know, a particular variety has a rating, a resistant rating. If we don't have a strategy 
for this variety so that we can maximize the lifespan of the variety in terms of disease control. So these varieties, they're going to be downgraded very quickly to moderately susceptible, um, very susceptible, right? We've seen this in, in many cases. So this is a real problem because it takes a good number of years to develop these varieties, but diseases don't require that number of years in order to break them. What are a couple of simple things that growers can do in this season? Where in February, the beginning of 2023, leading up to this season, what can they be doing at the moment? One of the best strategies that you can deploy is crop rotation. If you cannot deploy crop rotation, you have to really manage your stubble as much as you can. And if you cannot deploy a crop rotation, you have to rotate your varieties. You have to go for varieties with a higher level of resistance. The chemistry, so always use the best you can afford in your program, obviously. But I would recommend as well just to check the AFREN website, the Australian Fungicide Resistance Extension Network. There is information there with regards to the management of fungicide resistance. And you can use that information to inform your chemical program. Many thanks to Associate Professor Fran Lopez from Curtin University and Independent Agricultural Consultant Sam Trengove for their insights on the serial disease threats and risks in season 2023. This has been a two-part GRDC podcast. I'm Prue Adams. Thanks for listening.